Welcome, everyone, to an all-new episode of the Comic Multiverse, where the worlds of nerd meet. As always, I'm your host, Joel, and joining me is Matt. How you doing, Matt? I'm I'm okay. I'm a bit tired from last week, but I'm starting to recuperate. It's a, it's a lazy Sunday all around. That's the feeling I've been getting. Uh, you'll like this, Matt. I actually took your advice after last week's episode, or I guess last time you were on, uh, about that Danny McBride show, Vice Principal, so I've actually started watching that. It's pretty good, isn't it? It's pretty funny, and at the same time, too, it's also like very much like other Danny McBride stuff I've watched. It really hits me that Danny McBride has kind of been, you know, perfecting and laser-focusing this one character he seems to play across several shows. Yeah, yeah, he plays... Yeah, it's like this kind of dick head character sort of he's he's a real asshole <laughs> yeah there's like detestable and yet so pathetic you feel bad for him like he played it in eastbound and down he played it in the foot fist way he's playing it here and now too yeah i actually just finished the series i think at the start of last week and it ends on a really dark turn does it apparently there's only supposed to be two seasons and then they're done because like uh isn't he like producing it too danny mcbride i think he is I think so. Yeah, they actually shot both seasons back to back. So oh, wow. I, th- I don't know when the second season starts, but I hope it starts soon because I won't spoil it for you. But it ends on like a cliffhanger, and it's actually quite dark for the show. Hell, it's been dark nonstop. I mean, right when a house gets burnt down, it's pretty dark. <laughs> oh, it gets darker. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, it's like I-, I I hate to use the word cringe comedy because I think that's that word cringe has been completely overused to the point on the internet now where it doesn't mean anything uncomfortable comedy is what i would call it yep yeah like like you feel bad watching it but you laugh at it at the same time it is not a feel-good comedy for sure it's feel bad comedy (laughs) yeah yeah but man is he good at that and goggins is good at it too Oh, he's amazing in that. They, uh, they they play a great duo on that show, uh, Vice Principal. And in fact, if you like our talk about TV, we're probably going to be talking about more TV because I don't know if you notice, Matt, or the people out there listening notice, but sweet fuck all happened today at Sunday as we record this. Yeah, there's been like no news for the last week. Yep, there's been nothing going on. I mean, hopefully with New York Comic Con coming up soon, hopefully some good news will come out of that that we can talk about. Well, with that, there's been rumors that DC are going to announce sort of like phase two of DC Rebirth titles, so that's, that's hopefully the, there's some, some of that. That's the rumor, and I don't want to jinx anything, but strings are being pulled right now for me to hopefully get in on that. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I will tell you all about it, but here's the funny thing. I actually knew people who went to the original DC Rebirth, like, stream and announcement when it happened. And they were Mm -hmm. tweeting about it, and they were all happy, where it's like, yeah, yeah, we're getting the hot news, like, two seconds before the official press releases were coming out on social media. Yeah, and it was live-streamed as well. (laughs) It was. So, like, they're out there. They had to get up early, had to dress up. I'm sitting here in my underwear, you know, drinking my morning tea, watching it and then because they were all at the events they couldn't make videos about it i could so i'm just like well geez i should just stay at home every time when there's a big announcement that that's what i did that's i i went to a con recently as well not last weekend the weekend before that and uh they had like exclusive stuff for us because i went as media and um they they had some exclusive stuff i'm really pissed though because some of my vision and audio got fucked up somehow mm. i think because it was too noisy in the place and everything so i couldn't use it so i only had to use a, a little bit of it and it was pretty cool though it was really cool was that the uh the OzCon thing you were all excited about 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got um, we got some exclusive stuff from Rogue One, so like a big reveal of like the Death Troopers and everything. Sweet. And yeah, it was pretty cool. We're gonna be talking about more Star Wars later in the show too, so everyone get excited for that as well. Yeah. Uh, what else was I gonna say there? Oh, my mind's all over the damn place today. Uh, was that it for you for this week? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I caught up on some Vice Principals. Got to see that. So, oh man, I had a great segue. I wanted to. Oh yeah, uh, con footage and cameras and stuff. I actually uh, rented myself a brand new JVC because, of course, I'm taking the New York trip in the beginning of October. I wanted to get some good video. I wanted to get some good 1080p stuff. I don't want to let on how I MacGyver my own video. <laughs> <laughs> how I make that shit work. <laughs> so I'm like, look, I'll actually rent a camera and I had a voucher left over. I plug it in. It comes with three batteries. And I'm like, oh, great, three batteries. This is so cool. You know, I'll be able to charge them all up and I'll be able to use them throughout the thing. Uh, not a single one of the batteries works. Oh, yeah, that, that that's usual. Like, I, when I borrow equipment from my college, I'll, like, get it. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's all good. And then I'll get home and, like, all the batteries are dead or, like, some of them don't work or they need charging or something. And, like, it completely stuffs everything up. Yep. I, uh, the camera works fine so long as it's plugged in. So, you know, I can film some beautiful stuff so long as there's an outlet nearby me. I should be fine. <laughs> I'll just be telling people, like, can you move, sir? Can you move, sir? I just, I just need to plug into this outlet. Can you move, sir? <laughs> I'll be that guy. Uh. So I need to go back to the rental place tomorrow, and I need to complain. And, in fact, I'll be doing some even more stuff on Monday. i got to change my money from Canadian to American, which sucks because the exchange rate is garbage right now. Yeah. <laughs> i got to do that. I got to call about – I got to like call my phone company and I got to get like a roaming package so I can actually make calls in the States and it not ruin me. So I got to mm -hmm. do that. That's, that's what I got to do tomorrow. <laughs> fun. Yeah, I'm just like I thought this was supposed to be a fun trip. Remind me never to come to America <laughs> again. Don't worry. When I, when I eventually come over there for a con or something, I'm going to have to do all that as well and more probably. Oh, I bet. Oh, yeah, because you'll have to take a long-ass plane trip. For me, it's just, you know – 15-hour bus ride. <laughs> you know, everyone complains about long-ass, like, flights and everything. I love them. Mm, I relish them I can, as like, well. watch movies, catch up on comics and everything. Exactly. And... I have so... I, I, you'll, you'll be happy, Matt. I've only been saying this for, like, the last four years, but I have all of Injustice up on my pad, and when I take that 15-hour bus ride, guess who's going to be reading Injustice finally? <laughs> Did you know I thought that finished on issue 38? Apparently there's two more issues. I I heard that after the fact from someone else, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I thought I thought that was like the end because it ended such perfectly, and these last two issues have been kind of like just dragging the story out a little bit, and then there's a new series starting up in October, incredibly soon, which is amazing. Yeah, it, it's never ending. Nope, makes too much money for DC. We can't end it. Nothing's over. Nothing is ever <laughs> over. <laughs> which, which, shit, I guess we'll have to plan for that. I've been doing more streaming now. I guess when Injustice 2 comes out, we'll have to start playing that, you and me. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll wait for reviews and whatnot of the game. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the first one was pretty good, and I mean, the second one looks to just be the same, but more. Yeah, the same, but with armor. Yeah, the armor thing. That's. I wonder how that system is going to work. Like, don't get me wrong, I love the idea that they're giving me a level of customization over these characters, but even still, at the same time, it's like, will the armor make me fight any different? No. Well, then, what's the point? Yeah, so, like, 
Why, why does Superman need armor? At that point, you're just doing skins, which, don't get me wrong, loved the different skin options from the first game. In fact, I got way more skins than I care to admit. Yeah, well, I, I own the Ultimate Edition, so I've got, like, all of them. Nice. I was really jealous, too, of the Bane skin, because they had, like, the actual Nightfall version of Bane, and I'm like, damn it, I want that one, but you can only get it through the phone game. Oh, really? Yeah, they really hit you with all barrels on that one. Damn. Yeah, so, uh... That's that. I mean, definitely uh, keep uh, keep your eyes peeled for both the channels for Injustice when that one happens. But uh, yeah, there actually was a little bit of news that happened this week worth talking about. And I guess one of the pieces that broke a little earlier in the week that Matt and I didn't get a chance to talk about, but that is that Jen Walters will be getting a brand new series post-Civil War II, and it will simply be entitled Hulk. Yeah, that is pretty interesting, especially considering she's kind of a main player in Civil War Two. Mm -hmm. Even though she's been bedridden for the majority of it. Yes, yeah, so I, I, I'm interested to see what the series is about. Maybe it's about her recovery or something. Mm -hmm. well, I mean, it's a fitting title, too, because a Hulk, she will be the only Hulk as of the end of Civil War Two. I mean, well, I mean, I guess Red Hulk is going to be on USA Avengers, but you can't really count him. But yeah, she will be this universe's one and only Hulk, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, and what happened to Amadeus Cho again? How did he get rid of his powers? Pardon? Oh, shit, I forgot about Cho. No, yeah, he'll still be running around as the Hulk. Oh, okay, then. I, I thought he was going to get rid of his powers or something. No, he's going to be on Champions, is what he's going to oh, be. Oh, okay. He's going to be on that team, and I assume he's going to keep his own book going for a bit. But yeah, he's he's got his book, but yeah, she'll be, like the, uh, she'll be the one and only adult Hulk touring around who's not a teen. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and this looks to be a more action-oriented book that they seem to be taking with it, where the last She-Hulk run from Charles Soule, which was criminally underrated, was more of like a legal procedural that just so happened to star uh, She-Hulk. Yeah, it, I, I didn't read it, but I saw like panels and stuff, and it looked pretty interesting. It was incredibly interesting, and it's super short. If you ever want to read it, you can. Oh, nice. It didn't last very long, which is the tragedy. Yeah. It's cool, too, because Charles Soule, before he became a comic writer, was an actual lawyer, so he was able to pull on that shit. It's always good when that happens. And now he's writing Daredevil, so go figure. Yeah. But yeah, Color Me Interested for Hulk, and funny, too, that, you know, uh, Marvel had pretty much given away everything they were doing post-Civil War, too, except for this one. Yeah, yeah, this is like the one that didn't get leaked in that mm -hmm. big leak. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. And then they had the one... Strange. Yeah. I mean, hey... I like the Hulk. I like the Hulk family of characters. You know, the more Hulk, the better. And uh, moving on from there, we have another piece of news, and that is apparently they talked to the showrunner for Netflix's Jessica Jones, and apparently she let on that uh, season two of the show, which won't be premiering until 2017, is already halfway written. Well, makes sense. They'll have to start filming soon, I imagine. End of the year, start of next year. That's pretty amazing and kind of hilarious, too. I was reading on The Outhouse, or they're like, wow, can you believe it? The show's already half-written before they even start working on it. You know, maybe the creator <laughs> of Jessica Jones, Brian Michael Bendis, could take some, you know, uh, pointers from this. <laughs> With his Civil War II book that's going to take until the end of the year to be done. Yeah, that got postponed again, didn't it? It's, it won't be done until the end of 2016. We'll get one new one, like, every month until the end of 2016. God damn it. I know, right? And, like, that means we're in the same situation we were in with Convergence and the same situation we were in with Secret Wars, and that is we're already seeing the post-universe or, like, the post-story books when the main mm -hmm. book isn't even done yet. 
it, I, it really boggles my mind how like something like this, how they can let something like that sort of happen, just yeah. go the way it goes, like delays and everything. You'd think they, you know, it never really used to happen back in the day, you know, like when they had events and everything. Like it happened every now and then, but it's become more of a common thing now. Like as you said, convergence, uh, rebirth. They're still like post. Forever uh, evil was another pre-rebirth one. books. Yeah, forever evil. You know, I think Trinity War ran over as well. I'm sure it did. I wouldn't be shocked if it did. So, like, like, what's the deal? Well, for Civil War Two, they're blaming the artist, and that is the artist on it who, by all accounts, and I mean I would totally agree, is doing the best job on that book because it's the prettiest of pictures. His wife was pregnant, so he had oh, to take okay. time off, to which everyone was joking where it's like, oh, I'm sorry, is he delivering the baby? You mean he can't draw and help out at home at the same time? <laughs> He can't carry the baby around while he's also drawing these panels. My thing is, is where I'm like, okay, so you already paid him to finish the book. Why can't you just get fill-in artists and don't pay him the full amount? Or if you've already paid him the full amount. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll admit my own ignorance here and say I don't understand all that about... Uh, about comic publishing but yeah the delays are getting really silly especially for a story like this where i'm getting more and more frustrated with and more and more apathetic with as time goes on the idea that i'm gonna have to wait is really silly yeah especially when a, kind of a few of the um tie-ins sort of spoil stuff absolutely i mean another comic that does that that you know made me lose all interest in it due in fact to lateness uh remember uh dark knight 3 remember that no, no, I don't. <laughs> no, I, I can't blame you. That's not done. That book's not finished. When, when, when is it scheduled to be finished? I don't know, and I don't care. Because when it comes back, I'm not reading it anymore. I'm done with it. I don't care. <laughs> They're just like, it'll, it'll come out when it's done. Yeah, I don't care, and no one cares. And you know what? It wouldn't be the first time a Frank Miller book never finished. It wouldn't be, no. Which, how sad is that Frank Miller, a history of books not getting finished? Yeah, he's just like, uh, just won't bother. I would go make Holy Terror 2 or something. <laughs> then I'll finish it on my time. I'll write and draw it. You'll see. <laughs> Holy Terror 2, hail to the Trump. You'll see. <laughs> oh, no, Frank, no. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> now, we started this whole conversation by talking about Jessica Jones. I actually went back and rewatched some Jessica Jones recently to get me all primed and ready for Luke Cage, which happens in uh, in only five days, which is hard to believe. Yeah, this coming weekend. Man, that's going to be freaking awesome. I'm going to get up nice and early. I'm going to have a, a, make a nice big fry-up breakfast to champions and watch me some Luke Cage, as I've done with Jessica Jones and Daredevil the last couple seasons. Awesome. It comes on for me, I think, at like 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, lucky, so I'll, lucky you. I'll be able to just... Eat dinner and watch it. The the one time the actual uh what is it the actual time difference helped you out in a big way. Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny. Uh, last night someone totally scared uh, the shit out of me because they had Netflix up and they're like they were reading out loud and they're like oh what's this uh, Luke Cage starting in five four three two and I'm like wait what starting now? What do you mean starting <laughs> now? Because if you'll remember if you watched Orange Is the New Black they just launched their season two like three to four days before they were supposed to. Yeah. So I'm like, well, dude, they're Netflix. They can do whatever they want. They're not regular TV. They don't play by the rules. They can release <laughs> Luke Cage now if they want it. It's there. It's done. <laughs> Imagine if they did that just to fuck with people. It's like, hey, everyone, here's Luke Cage now. <laughs> here's all the episodes. And in fact, well, like they, 
they've actually released it but never told anyone then they're like what no one's watching what what the hell just do a stealth release of it <laughs> hey everyone and here's defenders too yeah that's right we're skipping uh iron fist look we're going right to defenders here it is hey, hey what you thought we didn't shoot it are you kidding me <laughs> we're netflix we can do whatever we want <laughs> we are powerful we're crazy Actually, speaking of the craziness of Netflix, uh, I was watching uh, that show Adam Ruins Everything on True TV, which is an awesome documentary show for anyone who hasn't seen it. And he was talking about, you know, how messed up the award system is in the United States and how it's all basically confirming everything you've always wondered and that, you know, it's all rigged and it's all a money game and everything. And, like, you know, spending a bunch of money helps you out on Did you know Netflix, uh, that first year they won, like, a daytime Emmy was because their CEO really, really wanted to win it, and he spent, like, millions and millions of dollars out of his own pocket to get it done. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, which I'm just like, yeah, and now because of that, we take uh, Netflix more seriously as a television medium because, oh, well, they won a daytime Emmy. Where up until that point, Netflix shows never won anything, even when they really should have. Yeah, yeah, and... As, as you're saying, it, it, it costs money to do this, and they, they needed to do that because if they hadn't have done that, they probably still wouldn't be sort of a competitor for normal daytime TV and everything. Oh, yeah. It's it's crazy to think. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the Jessica Jones thing. Uh, Luke Cage will be here before we know. What, uh, what would you like to see the most out of uh, Luke Cage there, Matt? Well, well, we've already kind of seen, like, the chain and the bands and the headband I, I and everything. I know, right? They gave that away in the trailer, so I'm like, well, shit, now what do I got to see? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just really excited to see Mike Calder, like, punch a bunch of people through walls and well, use car doors of shields well, and whatnot. Well, Gangster Rat plays in the background. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> apparently, Theo Rossi, who I, of course, really loved as Juice on uh, Sons of Anarchy, apparently he's really great in this show, too. He's getting rave reviews. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to see him. Saying his is like a career to watch, and I'm like, good for him. I always thought he had some untapped potential as an actor. Yeah, and I'm intrigued to see like what they're going to do with, uh, obviously because it's related to Daredevil and Jessica Jones and all that, like what kind of Easter eggs or references mm -hmm. and stuff we're going to get. What connective tissue, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's talks that apparently uh, John Bernthal has filmed some more stuff as The Punisher, but we don't know for what show yet. Ooh, that'll be interesting. You, you, you know, there's actually a scene in in the Luke Cage trailer where like there's like some gun and it like fires and it, like blows up like an ambulance, like makes it like veer off the road. I'm thinking, oh, maybe that's Punisher coming after someone. Interesting. It would be cool to see him show up again, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, it would be. I mean, the obvious cameo is of course Jess herself in some form or another. Yeah, and, and obviously they're going to make references to Daredevil. I mean, Night Nurse is in there, mm -hmm. so... E even if, like, Jessica even literally phones in her performance like he's talking to her on the phone or something. Well, it makes sense. They have a relationship together, so... Yeah, it would be nice to know that they're still hanging out. I think that would be cool. Uh, moving on from there to some more comic book news. This was another big one that broke kind of last week, but uh, DC and IDW are teaming up to come up with a brand new charity comic to benefit the victims of the Orlando shooting, and it's called Love is Love, and it features uh, a bunch of their more LGBT-focused heroes. Batwoman looks to be in it, uh, Apollo and Midnighter look to be in it, and some IDW characters of which I am not that much familiar with. It's pretty cool, but it's also pretty weird considering it's come from the company that refused to let Batwoman marry... Mm -hmm. um, 
Renee. So yeah, 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 yeah. They got a bit of egg on their face on this one. DC, look, love is love, but no one should have a happy marriage though, because you can't tell good stories with that. Except for Superman, which we're making some of the best stories we've ever done with him by letting him be married. Yeah. <laughs> so shit, maybe we should let uh, Batwoman be married. No, you know what her answer should be? No, 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 no. Batwoman couldn't be married in the new 52. In DC Rebirth, she could totally be married. It's yeah, Kid, Kid Flash came by and, like, touched her, and because he's got, like, weird time travel sort of thing, she remembers, and now she's married to Renee. Oh, uh, don't, don't, don't even tease me. No, it, it wasn't Renee. She was in a relationship oh, it, with it, it was yeah, Maggie um, Sawyer. Yeah, yeah. I keep getting them too confused. Maggie Sawyer, who has now moved back to Metropolis to be part of the Superman family of characters, which is always how I liked her anyway, because that's when I first started reading her and, you know, watching her in the Superman cartoon. Yep. All they gotta do now is make Dan Turpin come back, and then there you go. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be good. That Jack Kirby-looking man, have him come back. <laughs> Actually, speaking of Superman, people can't see it right now, but uh, Matt's Skype profile pic is that cool opening image from Superman number seven from this week, which we will talk about when we get to the comics of the week. Oh, how we'll talk about it. There was a lot of Superman love this week, wasn't there, Matt? There was. There was so much to go around, but from Superman love to Star Wars love, last night was the premiere of Star Wars Rebels. They did a special... 40-minute long episode, and I can only imagine Matt and myself have a lot to say on the matter. Oh, yeah. If, if you want to check out my review, you can go check out my review, but it was pretty awesome. I, I was writing my review before we started. It was pretty awesome. I managed to see it a little bit early because of Disney XD. Nice. Um, but, yeah, it, oh, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yeah, who does very little in the episode, but I like that he does little. He just shows up, is like, yeah, I'm a badass, I'll be back later. Yeah, no, well, I think it was a fantastic uh, intro to the character, very much like how he is in like the, the old Expanded Universe books, and I, I'm liking that they're not really changing anything mm -hmm. about him. That's, he's still like a tactical genius and very much sort of like this commanding presence and he knows what the rebels are going to do before they even do it and this is awesome what i like about thrawn is something very understated it's nothing no one ever brings up but it's something you can see visually he is the only alien in an entire organization that seems to hate aliens and tries to keep them down and yet he's a goddamn grand admiral yeah, that should tell you something about him. Yeah, about what a badass he is that they had no other choice but to promote him to their absolute highest uh, highest office. Yeah. Uh, we kind of got to see Ezra breaking bad, too. He's been, uh, you know, he's been, he's been uh, drinking that dark side Kool-Aid, you could say. Oh, you, you mean Edra? Edra. Oh, 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 because he's edgy now. He's Edra. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Crawling in my Jedi skin. Oh, Kanan just doesn't understand. <laughs> There's even the moment where Kanan finds his Sith holocron, and it's kind of like, you know, what is this? Are you doing drugs, young man? <laughs> I, only I, I, I like that scene where 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 um Kanan is in uh, Ezra's quarters, and the the, the holocron's that there, and he's trying to move it and everything, and he sent, and I guess Kanan senses it mm. or something. And he's like, what is this young man? You're not allowed to have this. You're too young. <laughs> You're too young to dabble in the dark arts. Or ever, because dark arts are bad. 
<laughs> Damn it, Jedi Dad, you just don't understand. I only do it socially at parties. I'm holding it for a friend. <laughs> Is this your horrible ancient Sith holocron? No. <laughs> Look, well, maybe if you just did some too, you'd understand. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a really funny scene. But yeah, it's uh, they do some interesting stuff with Ezra. He's cut his hair, for one. So he's not mm-hmm. like that anime-looking kid anymore. His voice is like an octave deeper. Yep. He's wearing a costume closer to Kanan's, and he's no longer carrying around that uh, blaster-lightsaber combo. He now has his own blaster and a lightsaber. Yeah, a new lightsaber as well. Mm-hmm. It's nice and green. Yeah, yeah, I thought the same thing. Which leads me to believe... Looks like Luke's second one as well. Yeah, I was going to say, hey, when when do you have time to make that? Because there's a huge time gap in between the end of last season and now. Yeah, we're not really given... I, I put it down to about six months to a year. Yeah, yeah, give or take. Also, I don't know whether you noticed, but Ezra is also ranks higher than everyone else on the Ghost Crew except for Hera. Yeah, he's a lieutenant now, which is like, holy yeah. shit. Yeah, in the the rebellion as well. That the the rebellion is now like a big thing now since they've got all these ships and everything, mm-hmm. and we're going to be obviously seeing a bit more of them. Mm-hmm. They got uh, all those Y wings, which uh, which that's the that's the formation or the beginning of the formation of the Rogue Squadron, right? Oh, I don't. Uh, y wings weren't Rogue Squadron, but they were like I, I can't remember what they were, but I, I imagine these are the ones that are going to be used in the New Hope to bomb the the uh, Death Star. So yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Because isn't Wedge going to be a character this season too? Didn't they make a big uh, point of that that he's going to be coming up? Yeah, Wedge is going to appear in the third episode when they break him out of a uh, Imperial um, training facility. That's really cool. I think that's awesome. I can't wait for that. Yeah. I guess another big thing worth talking about, and I'll ask you because I know you're the authority on these things, the Bandu, that weird gorilla-faced thing that Kanan goes to meet out in the desert, is that like a thing in Star Wars lore that I didn't know about, or is that brand new for Rebels? It, it's half and half. The, the name Bendu is like old school, like first draft of Star Wars from George Lucas in the mid 1970s. Mm-hmm. Uh, since Bendu was originally the name for the Jedi, right. um, they're called Jedi Bendu or something. And he me- he mentions two planets as well, which is also something from that draft as well related to the Force. But the the Bendu as a creature is is something new. Right. Okay. That's clever. I like that. That sounds very Rebels. Yeah, and he vo- he's voiced by the fourth Doctor Who, oh, Tom, nice. Tom Tom Baker. Nice, nice, good. Third, casting. third or fourth, third or fourth Doctor. Right. Re- really cool casting. Yeah, I thought he sounded great. Uh, I mean, he he kind of plays the Yoda role to Kanan in this episode as he teaches him to basically daredevil it up and walk around while being blind. Yeah. Also, I think the guy. I'm just going to actually check this, but I think the guy who voices. Uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn is Mads Mikkelsen's brother. Uh, yeah, his last name was Mikkelsen, and I thought that I'm like, wait yeah. a minute. Yeah, he was. He was also the bad guy in the the last Doc, uh, Sherlock season. Um, I'm just checking it now. I'm fairly certain it is. Uh, where's IMDb? There's IMDb. I, I'm fairly certain. I remember hearing something about that. Yes, yes he is. Huh, that's really cool. Yeah. Holy shit, I did not know that. That is that's make that makes a great episode even more awesome now that you mentioned that. 
Yeah, keeping it in the family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. You know, I, I, I can play creepy-sounding guys. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. I can make it happen. Uh, what was another thing I had to say? Oh, yeah, I, I like Kanan's big revelation there from being blind to being allowed to see. It's like, no, I was awesome all along. In fact, being blind makes me even more badass than I was before. I know, I can't wait to see what he does this season. He is literally the Zatoichi now. He is literally the blind samurai. <laughs> the one thing I'm really disappointed in this, we didn't actually get to see what Maul was up to. I think he's in no. the next episode, but there was no like hint to what he's up to, like what his deal is. Never, never in all my years did I believe after how lame and disappointing Darth Maul was in the original Phantom Menace to think that they would write him such a rich and interesting history and storyline in the expanded universe across like multiple shows and comics. I know, right? They almost redeem him in the movie, don't they? Oh, yeah. I especially like his new marching orders in, like, season three of uh, Rebels, where he's like, no, I hate uh, Palpatine, I hate Darth Vader, I hate what they've done to the Sith Order that I gave my life to and everything, and if I can't make the Sith run my way, then I'll just destroy them all. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of good, but also he's still kind of bad because he hates, like, Kanan and Ezra and all that. He's his own so he's kind of villain. in the middle. He's in the middle there. He's a, he's a wild card, and I like that about him. Yeah. Also, we've got Hondo as well, again. Back again, Jim Cummings, man, killing it. Talk about another original Star Wars character from Clone Wars to now who has had this amazing arc. I know, it's so good. Also, uh, news broke just before um, the episode actually came out, but apparently Dave Filoni's stepping down as director or oh, no. something something big. And uh, No, well, I think it's like he's passing it on to some other guy, but I think it's because he's, he's most likely going to be going to work on another anthology film. Mm, holy shit. Yeah, he's still involved in everything, but he stepped down from some role. I'm not sure what. No, I mean, he's been involved in all of it pretty much since day one, hasn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it will be interesting to see where he ends up going. Wouldn't it be funny if they're like, look, we need to take you off the animations because we need you for something bigger? Yeah, for the movie, well, he, he's been on sets of the movies mm. and everything, and why would an animation guy need to be on the set of the movies? Yeah, we, we like you. You've proven yourself over the years, so yeah, we want to give you another project. And you know what? Attaching that name to a riskier Star Wars project would, I'm sure, make fans be like, no, 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 no. he'll do a good job. Yep, yep. Yeah, so keep an eye out for that one, everyone. I'm sure as more Star Wars news breaks, we'll tell you about it. Uh, the other big show that technically premiered I, last week but uh, something that I figured we would still talk about because I don't, I don't know if Matt and I got a chance to speak on it yet, but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. came back. Yeah, and it was pretty cool. It was really cool, actually. Yet again, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., one of its strengths as a series is how it completely reinvents and reimagines itself every season, where honestly, I think even if you dropped off last season or haven't been watching, period, you could start back at this episode and actually pretty much be able to carry it on. <laughs> Oh yeah, definitely. And um, the cool thing is, with, with its new time slot, it, it got a new rating, and it showed its rating off the bat, where we see guys get sprayed in blood, oh, yes. and spines ripped out, and everything. And we get a we get a little sexiness too with Daisy, where I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, that was kind of surprising. I don't know how sexy panties is part of a suiting up montage, but I'll take it. <laughs> She needed those to use her quake powers. You didn't know it, but that's 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 what was necessary. Yeah, they're, they're the source of her powers. Mm, you thought it was in human genes, but no, it's it's regular genes. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, we got we got our look at Robbie too, who's kind of an amalgamation of all the Ghost Riders, honestly, up until this point. Yep, and his first introduction was pretty much panel for panel from the comic. Yep, yep. In the car, out, coming out in his crazy awesome Hell Charger, doing a big crazy flip. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, I think it's great that in this day and age they can have an effect like that on television. Yeah. Oh my god, the the effect like at the end when he fights uh, Quake so and good. he face turns from Robbie to the to the skull is absolutely amazing. It's network TV. Mm-hmm. So good, so good, and he, they definitely seem to be making the argument that like Robbie's not going away after this opening arc. They seem to be imply that he's going to be here all season long. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see what they they're gonna do with him. I think they 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 plan on like tying him and like the Ghost Rider thing into the more mystical side since we've got Doctor Strange coming yeah. out in a month. So yeah, it's only fitting that Ghost Rider kind of be our gateway into that universe. The only story I wasn't absolutely in love with was, believe it or not, the LMD thing. And we've been asking for LMDs for how long? Oh yeah, yeah. That was kind of weird. That they were trying. I think they were trying to balance too much in this first episode. Mm. They they had the the Ghost Rider stuff, the Daisy stuff. They had that weird crate that had some Ghost Woman in it. Yeah, the Ghost um, Crate. Yeah, and then they had the LMD storyline. The, the Who is the new director thing, which is actually really yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's a good mystery. I want to see where that goes. Yeah, I, I think it would have served the show better if it had like a two hour premiere. Mm. My uh, my only issue with the LMD plot is that they have to kind of bend over backwards to find a reason for Fitz to be dishonest to Simmons. Or it's like, oh, well, I can't tell her about these lifelike robots or that'll that'll harm her new position in the thing, even though these robots will almost certainly start killing and or replacing people and she'll be double mad at me for not telling her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Simmons' new um, uh, sort of post is pretty interesting she now like commands mm-hmm. may and a bunch of the other people she's like higher a hi- higher color than them yeah yeah because we've done away with numbers it's colors now <laughs> <laughs> which speaks to uh, what this new director is doing he's having like a more well i assume it's a he it could be a woman too a, a more segmented more bureaucratic colder distant shield than before yeah, it's definitely a him director because he's played by Jason O'Mara. Oh, 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 we know for a fact now that's who he is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Jason O'Mara, the man who did the voice of Batman, is now doing uh, a director of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's funny, Batman, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's right, we were talking about this before. Yeah, yeah. Also, Coulson got a new hand that lets him see through things. A super awesome hand. He basically has superpowers now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm hoping they bring back that shield he had last season. Oh yeah, that shield was great. Yeah, and I hope he gets like a like a um, like a laser gun hand as well, like he can shoot lasers out of his <laughs> fingers or something. That'd be pretty awesome. Repulsor, he needs to like take some down. Oh Iron my god, Man tech. He's like, look, now I've got a shield and a repulsor. I'm all the Avengers in one guy. Yeah, you could just get like that sound wave thing that that um, Tony Stark used in Civil War. Wicked. That'd be pretty awesome. I'm all for that. Super Coulson to the rescue. <laughs> just every season I get a couple more powers. Also, like, just talking about the LMD thing again, like, people sort of assume that maybe they'll do, like, an LMD of um of Ward. Mm. But, see, I don't think they will because, as, like, they, they were saying in the show, the LMDs are there to, like, sort of protect everyone. Like, it makes no sense, like, making an LMD of a guy who traumatized the team so much. 
to protect them. I think if they if they do make an LMD of any cast character who's died, I think it'll be Lincoln. That would be cool. Again, I, I'm thinking too. You know, uh, as is often the case with these Blade Runnerish robots, it's only a matter of time before they go crazy and start killing and/or replacing people. So I could see them make like an evil Ward bot to try and fight them. Plus, it would be a good excuse to get that actor back again, if even for a minute. Yeah, well, he, he kind of needs to come back. He's starring in like WWE movies now. So. Oh, is he really? Yeah, he's in some like new. He's like the star of some new WWE movie about about becoming a Christian or something. Or oh, yeah, oh. man, you know WWE films, all, all the acting of your standard wrestling match, <laughs> but with less the action. You know, they actually made a movie. Uh, the title is slipping me right now, but it was hilarious. They basically filmed a movie in arenas where they were doing shows so they could, like, have them all together in one place and so no one would, like, miss any appearances. Yeah. They did, and I thought that was absolutely hilarious, and you could see how totally... uh, Oh, Countdown is what it was called. Oh, okay. Countdown. It was straight to video, and, like, you could totally tell the time period in which they made it because, like, what costumes people were wearing and what gimmicks they had. I just thought that was, like, such... Such, like, a grindhouse way to make movies where it's like, look, what do we have? Stadiums. What are we going to make the movie about? Stadiums. <laughs> or, will we use the same camera? Sure, let's do that. <laughs> well, 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 how are we going to explain why there's wrestling matches going on in each one? We'll make it part of the story, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll just have people appear as themselves so they don't have to act. It'll be great. It'll be great. <laughs> it's gonna be great it's gonna be great see talk about a movie that we should totally riff countdown just because it's so like almost you almost have to respect the level of punk rock filmmaking that went into that like we'll use whatever we have <laughs> and we'll make a damn movie about it is what we'll do <laughs> uh so yeah that's uh that's that everyone that's uh that's your agents of shield talk there i think we got some good uh good mileage out of that talking about the shows i'm sure when flash and the other stuff premieres we'll talk about that one too for a little bit yeah they premiere soon don't they like real soon next week next back. week or the week after or something all the freaking shows are coming back south park is back uh saturday night live returns this week which actually i found out while reading about it uh margot robbie is going to be the first host of saturday night live this season she is. Yeah, she is. I wonder if they're going to have uh, some Suicide Squad jokes in there. They have to. Of course they will. <laughs> it's it's too easy. They should make a they should make a joke about how every woman is cosplaying Harley Quinn now. I I hope they do. Because it's ho- true. It's it's really true. I I hope Kate McKinnon and everyone else there in the cast is dressed up like Harley Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be good that's a that's a fun joke or do the thing that like daniel radcliffe did where he's like look there will be no harley quinn sketches tonight and then you'll know, have the actors turn away in costume be like okay <laughs> i swear to you tonight there will be none i will not put you through that <laughs> but yeah so uh that's that i guess we can hop into uh what we read this week and got, i i haven't even scratched the surface of the stuff i had to read this week there was so much i had to go back twice to pick up everything you know i i had a little bit of free time this weekend and i had the house to myself so i i powered through a bunch of them i still got a cut like three or four comics left but um i've read them all I just haven't done the reviews for them. <laughs> there's, there's a bunch I haven't read, and there's a bunch I haven't even done reviews for. What do I got sitting around here? On my desktop right now, I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I got I, wow! I have literally ten sitting here. 
oh wow <laughs> a lot of these are either series that are ending like civil war 2 x-men and some are like other mini series that are just starting like raven number one that i did this week and then there's friggin' De- I... Deadpool number 18 from last week, which I haven't found a chance to put up yet. <laughs> it was good, too, is the funny thing. Yeah, and that... Would, uh, would you like to go first this week, Matt, and would you like to talk about Superman? Because I'm sure you're bursting at the seams to talk about Superman number 7, and I can't blame you because it was great. Yeah, well, yeah, let's talk about Superman number 7. As you said, it was fucking amazing. Yeah, I absolutely do, amazing. I don't know what else you could say about it. It was a slam dunk, a home run winner of an issue. Yeah, and I don't know whether you noticed, but like all these like issue sevens that are, or at least weren't Batman or Nightwing, um, were sort of like these kind of filler, little bit issues yeah. that like like between like a like a break between um, uh, story arcs. So uh, the Green Lantern one was the same, but it, it actually going into the next storyline. But yeah. Superman 7 was absolutely fantastic. Definitely something that Superman has been missing for the last five years. Mm-hmm. Joy and wonder and just down-to-earthedness. Yeah, just, you know, Superman being Superman, Clark being Clark, Lois being Lois. I-, I will say that this issue really hit a chord with me. For those who don't know, the story involves, you know, Clark Kent going to the Hamilton County Fair with his family. And as someone who grew up in a rural area and for someone who literally my local county fair is happening right now. I think tonight was the last night for it. Oh, okay. I I didn't end up going because I'm trying to save money for New York. But, I mean, man, does Peter Tomasi and Gleason totally nail that feeling of, like, small-town local fairs. These these two guys have been, like, a godsend to this book. Like, who would have thought? Like, this guy, he's been writing, like, like Batman and Robin and like all these comics and then Green he gets Lantern. put on Superman. Yeah, yeah, it's Green Lantern and then he gets put on Superman and actually nails the character from the first issue. Yeah, ends up being arguably one of the best to write the character in a very very long time. I mean, I guess I guess that just what what comes with being a super talented uh super talented writer. Yeah, and it's also kind of telling of like what the new 52 was like how he was all kind of like mopey mm-hmm. and and always kind of depressed and that could never really have any like the whole thing like they killed off his parents so he mm-hmm. had no interaction with Myron Park Kent which was it, horrible yeah yeah I, I mean it definitely is you know this is a Superman who can inspire as well as excite and I think that's something that was definitely lost in the new 52 where it's like no we need to give superman you know more human problems you know we need to show him you know struggling and being you know torn and everything it's like well what's what's wrong with just showing superman be superman is that too much to ask yeah exactly and and even like this usually this shows that he can be superman and a man Mm -hmm, absolutely and you know even even have kind of problems with that too i like the idea that you know superman swears look you know we're going to the carnival we're, i'm not going to be doing any superhero you have my full undivided attention oh no meth heads are trying to rob the carnival <laughs> what do i do what do i do <laughs> i'll just dress in a medieval cape <laughs> and beat the shit out of them while no one is looking <laughs> And then to have Lois be like, I knew it. Not mad, just like, I knew you couldn't go a whole day without Supermanning Superman. I like that. And he uses the up, up, and away Wonderful. as well. Wonderful. So perfect. So well done. Between the up, up, and away and the, you know, uh, redoing of the classic Superman number one cover, this comic is really doing everything right. 
Yeah, it's it's going to be up in my top ten of the year at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard not to put it there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely going to be hard not to put that one there for sure. And, you know, this was a great week for Superman across the board because we also had Trinity number one, too, which is a book that I don't think any of us really knew what it was going to be. And man, did that first issue surprise. Oh, it was amazing. It was it was written and drawn by Francis Manipal, and mm-hmm. his writing is, is like 50-50 oh, yeah, at it's best. Oh, yeah, very hit or miss. But this one was was incredible, yeah. absolutely amazing. In this one, the writing and the art matched beautifully. This is a story all about uh, Wonder Woman and Batman coming to dinner at the Clark family farm and being like, look, we need to get to know you, new Superman. You know, we need to be the trinity that you remember from your Earth. Yeah, and what I really like about this is, uh, did you ever read the original Trinity series by Mark Bagley and uh, Kurt Busk, I think it was by? Uh, I read, Did you ever read it? I read enough of it to know that it's like, you know, Batman is, you know, justice, Superman is hope, Wonder Woman is truth, and they reiterate that throughout this. Yeah, yeah, well, it was kind of similar to to that series as, like, in the first issue, it's really about, the in, in that series, it was really about them just, like, sort of sitting around drinking coffee and talking with each other, and it's very much the similar in this issue as well, it's just them sitting around and talking with each other. Mm-hmm. It's so simple and so beautiful and something I think a lot of comic writers miss where it's like, you know, we like to see our heroes as just like everyday people, like the punching aliens and fighting crime stuff is good, but sometimes we want more down-to-earth stuff like this, you know, just, you know, them having fun and having lives outside the costume, or not, like, you know, Batman is always on and that's the joke. Yeah, yeah, and it, if anything, this comic made me kind of upset because we're never going to get something like this in the movies. Oh, I know, right? It, there's never going to be a moment where everything just sort of peters out, and it, it's like the, 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 that scene in Age of Ultron where we just see them after mm-hmm. the party and they're just like chilling, trying to lift Thor's hammer. We're never going to get something like that in the DC films. Tragedy, true, true tragedy that we'll never get something like that. It's really, yeah. really sad. Also, also. Rainbow Batman. Rainbow freaking Batman. Superman being like, hey, you know all those crazy Silver Age stories? Yeah, well, for me, they actually happened and are actually history, and I have an endless amount of them that I could tell. I, I think that's amazing, and I, I love Bruce's reaction to that. And it's like, I never remember that happening. That never happened. <laughs> Not on this earth, maybe. <laughs> I hope that... <laughs> it becomes, hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I hope that becomes a thing for this new Superman in Trinity. I hope he keeps bringing up crazy stories. Crazy Batman stories, like the next issue, he brings up the zebra Batman or something, or the and mummy Batman. <laughs> yeah, just and, it, and everyone just starts picking on Bruce because they're like, "Wow, Bruce, you're really weird." <laughs> Hell, Wonder Woman can have some too. Hey, on my Earth, Wonder Woman lost her powers and learned kung fu and became a secret agent for a bit. Yeah, remember that time when you were blind and you tried to kill Cheetah? <laughs> <laughs> Wonder Woman's like, no, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> So well handled. I think my favorite moment is like the one moment where Batman actually lets down his guard and relates to Clark. It's over. It's over his kid. It's over his son. Yeah, and yeah. That's so fitting. Where it's like you know, say what you want about Batman, but he's raised a fair amount of kids in his day. Yeah. There is a nice fatherly side to Batman that is sometimes forgotten, although kind of ironic, too, that they're bonding over the kid where he's like, yeah, kids are great. Oh, God, I let Tim die again. (laughs) He just breaks down and has, like, (laughs) Vietnam flashbacks. (laughs) About all his dead kids. I'd love if Batman's like, you keep that kid real close, Clark. You watch him all the time or else drones will fly out of the air and kill him or clowns will beat them with crowbars (laughs) 
or your best friend who's a psychologist will tell you that they're dead, but they're not really dead because they were just mad at you for bringing kids into your war on crime. And then, and then your son will die because his clone who's dressed like a sheik will kill him, but then he'll be fine and be back, though, because space. <laughs> <laughs> and Superman to be like, what the fuck? I lose a lot of kids. <laughs> yeah, I think it's time for you to go home, Bruce. <laughs> You've had one too many. I'll tell you when I've had enough. <laughs> Batman would so be that guy, too, to ruin a party, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, they have to, like, call Alfred to come get him. and <laughs> <laughs> It's like, well, Alfred, he's taking his shirt off now, and he's screaming at the roof. <laughs> <laughs> we tried to poke him down with a mop but that just made things worse <laughs> he keeps calling the mop scarecrow and now he's suplexing it <laughs> not today dr jack straw <laughs> not on my watch but yeah trinity was great superman was great great week for superman books just just across the board and in general really strong yeah uh did you read the monster men books this week I did. I read both of them. Yeah, what'd you think of them? I thought they were pretty cool. They were cool. The idea of having the Bat family fight giant kaiju monsters. How did it take us this long to get here? It Not fight giant kaiju monsters, but fight giant kaiju monsters between a like class 5 hurricane. Oh yeah, the idea of benching it in a natural disaster is really clever. Yeah, and I, I love that in the, in the Batman issue how they're like trying to work out a plan to sort of get everyone up to the caves, and and, and I think it was Batwoman and Nightwing are like like Bruce, you're not going to save everyone, you know? It's this is a natural disaster. You can't stop a natural disaster. Oh, I fucking can. <laughs> I, I am surprised though you didn't like. Oh, well, oh, I know people who can stop natural disasters, and just gets like Diana and Bruce and Clark on the phone. Come help. <laughs> Look, Flash, can you come to my city and run really fast in a circle to make it so the hurricane won't hit? <laughs> well, I, well, I could, Bruce, but but why should I, though? Because I goddamn told you to. <laughs> yeah, I, I like this idea, too, that Batman's kind of cracking under the pressure because, you know, he lost Gotham in the main Batman book. He lost him in Detective Comics, and he's like, no, no more deaths. No one dies. Yeah, also, I'm wondering, since this story is actually going to start involving Bane next issue, I think... Is Next a, issue or the issue, I'm pretty sure. Or is he involved in the I Am Suicides? Because I've seen like like previews of um of the next Batman book and Bane's in it. I, th I think that one comes after. But then I'm asked, well, how how long is uh how long is Night of the Monster Men? Does it just run one issue in each? Will it be done with Detective next week? Yeah, well, if that's the case, that's a really short arc. Yeah, only three. Oh, I mean, if they stick the landing. Yeah. Because yeah, I was going to say, like, if he, if Bane was involved, then this could be something like, uh, um, like a Nightfall storyline where Batman's sort of run ragged by these monsters and this mm. hurricane, and then Bane comes in with Psycho Pirate and wipes him out. Yeah, what, what Matt's talking about is we got to see like a preview for I, I can only assume it's the next uh, arc of uh, of Detective Comics I Am Suicide or no of the Batman book I Am Suicide yeah and we yeah. actually see Bane like talking to Psycho Pirate and kind of like reiterating his origin story and what's great about it is that Bane is sitting on a throne of skulls completely naked I love that yeah I like that as well and it's also like, it, it, go ahead or no no you go ahead you were on a roll I, I was gonna say like in Batman issue 7 we got Hugo Gaines oh my god thank you for mentioning that he he is jacked brother brother <laughs> he is so jacked 
his time with the Aryan Brotherhood and Blackgate really paid off. <laughs> oh my god. You can only imagine too where it's like, what why does Hugo Strange need to be so jacked? Is he gonna get into a fist fight with Batman? <laughs> or keeping with the theme of his character, and that is when he first popped on the scene, he's like, Oh, I will, you know, psychologically profile Batman. Oh, I will become Batman. Is this why he's doing the monster thing so he can kill Batman and replace him? Probably. What I want in the next issue is I want Hugo Strange to be hitting that tire with the sledgehammer. That's what I want. I saw this in a Batman movie once. I saw this. I saw this in a movie once. It will give me wicked mad gains, bro. <laughs> I will be big and strong, and then all will fear me. But uh, I mean, yeah, Monster Man, pretty solid, pretty cool. I think my favorite conversation is the one that Batwoman has with Batman saying like look you might fight a war on crime but I'm an actual soldier and you'll never get the respect of any of your compatriots if you don't trust them and you're not trusting them and you never trust them Batman no no I like I like that yeah which showing even in her short time running that Bat family team and detective uh, Kate has done a better job uh, empowering and respecting all the members of her team yeah, and they actually listen to her a bit more than they do Bruce. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it, it is really like the team mom and team dad thing. Yeah. I, I wonder if that'll become a thing later on where it's like, well, Batman said no, so I went and asked Batwoman about it, and she said yes. <laughs> and she says I could stay up a little longer. <laughs> <laughs> Kate's way nicer to us, Bruce. She says we can stay up till 10 on a school night. <laughs> but I brought you the Bat Box. You mean Xbox is a Bat Box now. <laughs> Everything is bats. <laughs> but yeah, N- Night of the Monster Men was cool, and we kind of talked about both issues in one. What else did you have this week, Matt? Um, what did I have? I had I had Green Lanterns issue seven. I'm an issue behind on that, but I'm sure it was good. It was cool. It was, a, it was like uh, Superman issue seven. It was a fill in, nice. but it was also the first part of the next arc, which was re- it was really weird. Uh, it's just Simon and Jessica helping Simon's family get ready for uh, Halloween and Aww. make cookies. Oh, that's nice. I like that. They're getting closer together. Their buddy cop relationship is going to the next level. Yeah, and what I really liked about it is like when Jessica came around, she was kind of overwhelmed by everything that was happening in, in the Baz household and was like, no, nah, I'm out. I'm out. I've never experienced this, so I don't know what to do. And um, it, it took Baz coaxing her to come back to do it. And uh, that uh, oh, what's that guardian's name? Rami. He ends up leaving because apparently the Dominators are following him now. Uh oh, those uh, those assholes, those jerks. Yeah, those jerks that have been around for a while. <laughs> friggin', friggin' space jerks with your toothy monster faces and your psychic powers. They're psychic, aren't they? I don't know. I know they're yellow and they have like this massive red symbol on their face, mm. and they're creepy they, as fuck. They tried to destroy the galaxy like in the '90s and stuff like that. Why? Why aren't those guys in a movie? Those guys are creepy as shit. They are. If I did a Green Lantern movie, they would be the villains. Is what they would be. They'd be the first villains, and I'd do like you know like an almost alien thing with Hal and the other Green Lanterns. Where it's like you know there's these guys called the Dominators, and they're fucking horrifying. <laughs> you, you know space? You know how deep and dark space is? You know the creepy shit at the bottom of the ocean where it's deep and dark? Imagine that, but they're psychic. Yeah, they invade your mind. <laughs> yeah, and dominate it, yeah. Is anything good ever called a dominator? No. No. I I am, though, interested to find out who's going to wield this phantom ring. Mm-hmm, that has all the powers of all the shit. 
Yeah, because in the solicitation, we've seen someone wielding it. Um, you can't tell who it is because they're covered in like this construct sort of thing. Um, but also, I think Kyle Rayner comes back as well, and he's still a White Lantern. Right. He was in that Omega Men book written by Tom King. Oh, I kind of he was too. They faked his I death. I kind of let that. Yeah, I kind of let that go to the wayside. I, I'm kind of regretting it because apparently it got really, really good. Yeah, some people are loving it. I think I read one thing there where it's like, you know, oh, hey, uh, new, like, uh, the best comics of the year so far, and Omega Men was on there, and I'm like, really? Yeah, it, considering it was a series that DC kind of, like, just let crash and burn, really. They never really advertised it or did anything with it. And it only finished up recently, I think. I think uh, I think after the success of Vision, that one getting, like, all the great critical reception and Batman starting to take off, I think a lot yeah. of people are becoming, like, uh, not Tom King hipsters, but we're at that point where it's like, oh, well, everything he wrote was always brilliant. Yeah, they're getting on the bandwagon. Yeah, the, the bandwagon. Get on now. Well, the getting's good, but there's still space. <laughs> I, I need to go back and finish Vision. That's another one I need to read for the bus ride. I read, like, the first five, and I'm like, yep, this is brilliant Blade Runner stuff. I see why everyone loved this. And then I dropped off on it. That's finishing up soon, isn't it? It is very soon. Yeah. Apparently in the last issue, Vision defeated, like, the entire Avengers on his own. It would not surprise me. He's pretty goddamn powerful. He's like Martian Manhunter, where it's like, don't mess with him. Yeah, so like, why didn't he defeat them all in the Civil War book this week? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, He's on Tony's team. Tony would just be like, just go wipe him out, Vision. You mentioned it, let's talk about that. Civil War 2. Eh. Yeah, yeah, that's my feeling exactly. Man, it's, it's a comic that came out. Stuff happened. Eh. So, uh, another future crime happened, and Captain... Marvel tried to arrest Miles Morales. Mm -hmm. A future crime so big, I have to ask myself, wh why didn't the book start here? Why did you have to do the seven other issues worth of stuff? This should have been the incident right here. Yeah, I don't know why it wasn't. How huge would that be? Hey, we saw a vision of Miles Morales, this young, half-African-American, half-Latino Spider-Man, killing Captain America. And that divides the entire uh, Marvel Universe on that note. No, yeah, no, nah, nah, we'll just divide them by them killing off Bruce Banner and a bunch of other stuff because it, it hasn't, be, hasn't had really an effect on anything. It would be so fitting because it would be like the younger generation of heroes versus the older generation of heroes. You could put in like some, you know, like re pulled from the headlines, real racial politics and everything where, you know, like maybe Miles becomes a pariah in the media and you got like all the Rush Limbaugh and Ann Coulter stand-ins where it's like, well, just look at him. He killed America. <laughs> yeah, he literally killed America. He literally killed America. And then we as the reader could be all smart and be like, but wait, though, but Captain America's mind has been rewritten. He believes himself to be a Hydra sleeper agent, so maybe Miles had a good reason for killing him, but they don't know that yet. Yeah, exactly. That's what I immediately, when I saw that thought, I thought, oh... Maybe they find out he's a Hydra agent and he turns on everyone or something. And You could even have the Tony Carroll thing. You could, of course, have Tony stand up to protect Miles because he's like, no, he's my little buddy and everything. He's on my Avengers team. I'm kind of like a second mentor to him. And then have Carroll be like, oh, well, I don't know. I'm getting a lot of governmental pressure right now to try and do something about him. And then even have Captain America, what he thinks, where he's like, you know, well, maybe he would kill me. Maybe he wouldn't. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The funniest and most infuriating part of this newest issue is that we get the big fight and the Inhumans come in to help out Carol's team and, like, swing, swing the fight in her favor. Meanwhile, Ulysses, the one everyone is fighting over, they tell him to stay home and guard the base. 
Yeah, and that, that would have been like the perfect chance for like Tony to go in and grab him or something. That was such a pathetic piece of bad writing in my mind, where it's just like, well, you gotta guard the base. Even though we know for a fact that, you know, oh, Ulysses' powers are triggered by emotion, so don't make him emotional. Well, sit here and guard the base. I'm so emotional, everyone have a vision. <laughs> and I'm like, you walked right into that, Medusa. I thought you were supposed to be smart. Yeah, yeah. Even even the fight was kind of underwhelming. Like, don't get me wrong, there was cool shit in it. But it felt like Bendis was just taking time off to write characters he liked. Where it's like, okay, and here's Luke Cage versus Blue Marvel. And here's Magic, who I wrote in X-Men, versus Sam Wilson, who I didn't write. So she beats him. And Luke Cage beats Blue Marvel. And all the characters I've written win against the characters I haven't written. Yeah, and he focused quite a bit on the Guardians of the Galaxy, especially Star-Lord. The most focused they've ever gotten in anything. Yeah, he's talking about how he's friends with Tony Stark, and I'm like, not really. He had he had an adventure with you, and then they make him look dumb, too. Where's like, well, why are you on Carol's side? Oh, well, because she called first. Yeah, yeah, so he's just, whoever called first, he would have been on their team. Well, it's nice to know that's how the Guardians of the Galaxy roll. Also, another weird one, we get the first ever canon meeting between Miles Morales and Flash Thompson Venom, which should be huge, mm -hmm. right? And Miles says, ooh, I don't like symbiotes, implying that he has memory of the symbiotes that killed his mother back in the Ultimate Universe, even though he probably shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but Bendis wanted to make that reference because he wanted to tag work that he had done previously. And then Flash does the weirdest goddamn thing where it's like, you're not the real Spider-Man. I know Spider-Man. Spider-Man's my favorite and you're not him. And Miles says, oh, great, another hardcore Spider-Man fan telling me what I should do. And I'm like, oh, oh, no, don't, don't make Flash one of those guys. Don't make Flash one of them. We like Flash. Don't, don't make him into one of those guys. Yeah, don't make it meta. Yeah, don't... Not in this situation. Like, that comes out of nowhere, and it feels yucky, because I like Flash, and I like Miles, and I hate Bendis' kind of saying, well, but you like Miles more, though, right? <laughs> and I'm like, D don't prop one character up at the expense of another. Yeah. To, to make, like, Flash into this intolerant D-bag of, like, it's not my Spider-Man, hashtag take back the webs. <laughs> I don't want him to be that guy, and Bendis kind of made him that guy, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Although, although maybe this is part of a bigger bearing of Flash Thompson, because the big rumor is in that new Venom book, it's not It's not going to be Flash. No? No, it's going to be someone new. Oh, okay. Or, shit, it might just be Eddie Brock again, I don't fucking know. But it's yeah. not, But it's not going to be Flash, though. <laughs> if, if you could deputize a new Venom in the Marvel Universe, and this is a question for you, Matt, and the people listening, who would you give the Venom symbiote? Obviously, Eddie Brock has had it. Matt Gargan, the Scorpion, has had it. Who would you make Venom? Ooh. Um, you know what? I wouldn't mind seeing what Frank Castle would do with it. Ooh. Oh, but he's already the Punisher, though. And plus, we've already had what-ifs with them. It would be cool, but I don't know if they would ever make that canon. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I'd like to see it on someone D-list. Hell, give it to the Shocker and see what he does with it. <laughs> Hell, give it to Boomerang. Give it to anyone from Superior Foes of Spider-Man and see what they do with that huge power upgrade. <laughs> they wouldn't know what to do with it. <laughs> give it give it to another good hero and see what's done with it. Who's a, who's a hero who's been depowered as of recently who, who could do with a comeback? 
Thor. Thor as uh, well. Technically, he didn't lose. That his could powers. be pretty cool. It that could be. be pretty cool. He he just lost his hammer, and he's going to be getting the ultimate one. He doesn't need a symbiote right now. <laughs> He'd be too OP. No, <laughs> oh, he would be too because he's got the magic hammer. He's got the magic axe. He's got a robot arm. You put a symbiote on him, and no one could stop him. <laughs> he's, he's literally you'd have to nerf him in the next update because he's too OP he's, he's breaking the game that is the Marvel Universe <laughs> just couldn't do it man just couldn't do it but yeah that was that was Civil War it's a very very meh comic and a very meh event yeah if they'd if they'd probably kept up with the actual release date it probably would be a bit better but now it's just like the slow burn you keep forgetting about it and mm -hmm. it's it's being spoiled in the tie-ins and stuff like that the tie-ins which are finishing we're already going to be getting post civil war 2 books and this one's not even going to be done yet it's like why even bother yeah it's like why even bother it's just it's just depressing what uh, what else did you have going on matt um, well, keeping up with the Civil War 2, I had the last Gods of War tie-in. Oh, yes. It's pretty cool. Hercules defeated those new gods with the help of his Gods of War team, and in doing so, Athena sort of uh, comes to him and and says he's a, he's a worthy hero now Aww. for what he's done and everything, and I guess that sort of sets him up for him being on an Avengers team a little yeah. later on. He's He's sort of been redeemed a little bit and everything. We already know he's getting a promotion. I really hope when they collect this book, I hope they collect this Civil War stuff and the stuff that came before into one collection. They really should. Well, has his book beforehand, his Hercules book, hasn't that already been released? Did it? I didn't even know there was enough issues to collect it and release it. There was a few issues for that. It got I at think. least one trade. It got one volume out of it. I think so, yeah. I'll, I'll have a look. Should, I, I'm pretty sure. They should collect all of these into an omnibus because they're basically telling one solid story. And it's going to be really annoying for like fans in the future to try and collect all of these. Be like, okay, look, read the first volume of the new Hercules series, then read this Civil War II tie-in that isn't really related to Civil War II at all but finishes the story. Yeah, yeah, it got a... It got a um... A uh, release. It got released back in on in June. Oh, holy shit! Now they should. They it's should. Called Her Hercules still going strong. Nice. They should do an omnibus that collects all of this. That's what I would like. Yeah. I think that would read much nicer in trade later. Um. Well, but was that it? I thought. I thought you had a follow up. Oh no 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 oh, no! You, you sounded like you had a follow up. Uh, one book that you know while we're talking about stuff that we didn't love this week. Justice League number five came to an end this week, or at least in its first arc it did. Yep. What the fuck was any of that? I have no fuck. Like, it started off good. It did. Like, the first two, three issues were okay, and then it's like, well, now there's just a purge, and now there's the Reapers, and now there's these cyborg things, and now there's the Kindred, and Aquaman's got shiny crystal things. That and saved the day. Superman's in the middle of the Earth, and... And flat and Wonder Woman and Flash are stuck in some reality, um, and just so much shit happening. I uh, I said it in my review, and I stand by it here. If you want to quote uh, Brian Hitch for the back of your book, uh, Joel and Matt of the Comic Multiverse say, "What the fuck was any of that?" <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand a goddamn thing from this book. And, like, I, I gotta say, man, like, you and I, we read a lot of comics. We have a high threshold for weirdness and, like, you know, different realities and metatext and, you know, characters from different timelines. This was just confusing for no reason. 
Yeah, it had no... Like, if they'd kept it with just, okay, there's these Reapers from space and they're attacking Earth, mm. and it's up to the Justice League to stop them. That would be simple as, except they involved the Earth spawning these kindred to stop them with giant, a purge. naked giants who sing a song, and Aquaman who is away from the team for the majority of this thing, yet somehow saves the day because he has magic crystals that talk to him, so he knew that they were right. I, I do like, though, in that in the book that Brian Hitch actually commented on that, and he's like, yeah, the magic crystals, I'm really confused as well. <laughs> Dude, you wrote it if you're confused. <laughs> it's, it's funny, too, that, like, you know, when this series started, it was all about, like, oh, well, this is Superman making his first, you know, mission with the Justice League. He's coming to join them. Will they accept him, or will they be, you know, wary of him? And at the end, they don't even ask him. At the end, they make a bigger deal out of Jessica joining the team. Hey, how was your first yeah. mission, Jessica? It was pretty good. Bye, Superman. Yeah, Superman's like, I'm going home now. I have a kid and a wife waiting. So they even bungle the one story thread that they actually had in five issues. Yeah. Do we know what the next one is? Because it's not going to be the Justice League versus Suicide Squad because that's its own book. It is its own book. Yeah, we have no idea what the next one's going to be. I hope it's better. I do as well. I I reckon like like he had all these storylines and maybe some of them were leftovers from his JLA book. Sure felt that. And way. he's just like, I'm just gonna shove them all in here because I, I don't know how this managed to get past like editors and everything. I know, and right. Like, how did someone like sit down and read this and like that makes sense? We're gonna print that. Like everything else in DC Rebirth has been hitting so hard and has been so concrete and so concise and so cool. The fact that Justice League, which should be one of their AAA flagship books, can be so shitty is amazing. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, who who dropped the ball on this, like, really? Yeah. Who dropped the balls, and I hope they got, like, a wrap across the knuckles. No, no, bad, bad. <laughs> like, this was so bad where I'm like, Brian Hitch, please leave this book. Yeah, I, I don't understand, because Brian Hitch can be a really cool writer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If, if he's getting, but lately it's just been like him on JLA and now this. I don't know what the hell was wrong with the guy. Like, JLA was complicated, but it was at least enjoyable. It was one storyline. Yeah, which you're like, okay, this might not even be in the main continuity. You don't know. It's kind of off to the side. They're kind of doing their own thing, you know, whatever, whatever. This is the main Justice League book. Yeah, yeah, and and they had all this thing. They had they had enough threats in this book to last probably four arcs. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm fine with the comic book being experimental and everything. And clearly, this was trying to be experimental, but at least be good. Yeah, at least be good. Uh, something that was good this week: Green Arrow number seven. Did you get a chance to read that one yet? I haven't read it. This is the only one I haven't read. Uh, then I'll then I'll be brief. Then it's the completion of this little Imiko flashback story that we've been doing with the Clock King. Uh, he gets to do some cool stuff this issue. You know, brother and sister get to reunite and reconcile. Uh, there's a cool fight with a dragon. I'm not going to tell you how they get to a dragon fight, but they fight a dragon in Japan. It's not that guy that had the dragon tattoo on him last issue, was it? Uh, no, 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 this was a different guy, a different Japanese man who also happened to be a dragon. <laughs> oh, okay, then cool. Yeah. You know, well, I, I had Uno on last week when you couldn't make it, Matt, and she made a very interesting point, and that is, what is it with Green Arrow continually fighting a bunch of monsters? 
in the DC Rebirth. You know, he fought werewolves before, he fought those little vampire underground men, he fought those burned zombies, and now he's fighting dragons. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's fair. He does fight a lot of monsters now, doesn't he? It's true, it's true. I'm wondering if maybe because they think like, oh, well, he can only kill so many meth heads. <laughs> I guess so. Well, although he does fight some lumberjacks in the beginning of this issue, and that's pretty great. <laughs> he stopped chopping, chopping down our trees. <laughs> well, it's funny. He does the ultimate liberal superhero thing, and I loved it so much. A bunch of pissed-off redneck loggers were like, no pussy government's going to tell us that trees are protected. We're loggers, damn it. We're going to cut down like our daddies did. And Green Arrow comes up, and he's like, look, guys, I'm really sorry that shifting economical times means that your once-proud career is not proud anymore, but you're breaking the law, so I'm going to come beat you up now. <laughs> <laughs> And it's wonderful, and I'm like, man, you could have replaced loggers with coal miners, and it would have been exactly the same. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's really good, and I'm like, mm, yes, this is this is the smug, self-satisfying side of Green Arrow that I quite enjoy. <laughs> so good, and I'm like, man, I hope this logger guy doesn't come back as a villain, because the logger is a bad name for a supervillain. <laughs> Just makes you think, shit, doesn't it? I'm the logger. <laughs> I fling poop at you. But yeah, Green Arrow number seven. Fun book. I think they're going to finally get back to the whole island stuff now, which they had teased and then they went back and told two Imiko stories. Oh yeah, I completely forgot about that. I, I know someone on Twitter was complaining saying that, you know, all of DC Rebirth Green Arrow has been too focused on Imiko. And I'm like, what, two stories that focused on her to fill in, <laughs> to fill in the gaps between the Lemire run and now? I don't think that's taken over the whole book. I think that's just too stories about the sidekick i mean by that rationale man robin has really taken over these batman books isn't he matt yeah it's just all robin all the time well it can't always be about the hero it's refreshing sometimes to get some stories about the sidekick yeah they're part of the book as well so which is something we were totally missing in new 52 they totally downplayed the importance of the sidekicks and the supporting cast yeah, legacy heroes. It's nice to get a bit of a breather there. Actually, someone pointed out, too, that Imiko hasn't taken a superhero name yet, and because we got that Titans book coming up, wouldn't it be interesting if she joined that team as Speedy? That'd be pretty cool. Because there is no Speedy yet. Yeah, and there can't be an Artemis, because there's already one in the um, Red Hood book, and it's like some big woman well, that's with the, like a sword or something. That's the ancient Greek Artemis, of which the other Artemis took her name from. Yeah, it would be weird if there was two Artemis. It would be It'd get quite confusing. People would get confusing. Yeah, wait, well, which Artemis? This Artemis? Then you get into like a who's on first with Artemises. <laughs> Artemi, Artemises. Uh, what else did you want to talk about there, Matt? Because uh, we've been going for a while still, and I imagine you still got some to talk about. Um, well, I, I knew you just reviewed Wonder Woman issue 6. I reviewed it like just before we started this, and it was a pretty cool book. Are you keeping up with that book? I am keeping up with it. I, in fact, I reviewed number six five days ago. It was it was really good, and in fact, I think it's going to be an excellent bookend for when they collect this in trade because it finally kind of brings together the characters from the present storyline and the past storyline. Yeah, It's going to be really weird how they do this in trade since it's telling concurrent, it's telling parallel stories, but at you know the same time, sort of. Like every second issue is that one in the past, and every second, one, every first one is that one in the future, and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's going to be like, are they going to do it like in one trade or two trades or something? It's going to be really weird. I uh, I guess we'll have to find out, but yeah, I uh, I really liked that sixth issue of Wonder Woman. I thought it did a lot of stuff really well. Yeah, it was really cool seeing um 
uh, the, the, I guess, like the origin of um, uh, Cheetah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's like this doctor and everything. You come, Barbara Ann, it comes to, and I like her name is like Barbarian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ba- Barbara Ann Minerva. Why have I never picked up on that before? Yeah, and, and how she's sort of the one who's able to talk to Wonder Woman the first because no one can understand her. <laughs> yeah, in her, in her ancient dead dialect, which is uh, quite cool and quite compelling. Yeah, I, I, and it, this is a really good origin story. It's like setting the record straight finally mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on Wonder Woman's origin. I thought that was pretty and cool. And they changed some shit around too that now she didn't have the powers from the gods when she came to man's world. She only mm-hmm. got the powers later. Yeah, when those gods visited her in that jail cell. Mm, it's an interesting twist on things. I like we get to see Etta Candy, and I like Etta Candy outrank Steve Trevor. I like she's technically his boss. I like that too. I thought that was pretty cool. From being like a secretary in the original version of, no, 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 I'm your boss now. <laughs> it, may, it makes me disappointed that we're not going to get something like exactly like this set in modern times with the movie. Because mm. this is like, this this kind of reads like a movie. Like it'd be interesting it really to see this. And it'd be ca- kind of co- comedic as well because they can't understand each other. And mm, it's a, there's it's, all this stuff. Yeah, it's like a wacky like comedy of misunderstandings. And everything. You're right, this is... This book is Greg Rucka's script for a Wonder Woman movie. Yeah, so it's kind of unfortunate we're not going to get a modern take on it. Yeah, so, so I mean, if, if they were clever, they could pull a Marvel thing to be like, oh, hey, I'm Etta Candy Jr. Jr. or something like that, but they'll never do that. Nah. <laughs> like, Marvel just kind of gets away with that with, like, the Sharon Carter, Peggy Carter thing, but they're already trying to downplay those comparisons. Right. But yeah, so I guess I'll just lightning round through what I had this week. Again, I haven't even scratched the surface on a lot of the stuff I was supposed to read. Uh, mm-hmm. Civil War Two, X Men number four, insanely disappointing. Yeah. Magneto finally, after his whole "Oh, I'm going to make war on New Attilan and the Inhumans," I'll show you. He comes and talks to Ulysses, and he's like, "I'm going to kill you now, Ulysses." And he's like, "I knew you would say that because I can see the future." And because I, I can see the future, I'm going like, to show you that if you try and kill me, um, inhumans and mutants will fight, and a bunch of mutants will die, and you will feel bad. And Magneto's like, oh, you got me. I guess I'll leave then. <laughs> That's literally how it ends. I'm not fucking around. And then Medusa makes a proclamation to be like, go, you better get out of here, Magneto. And if you come back again, it's going to be war and we're going to fight. And Magneto's like, yeah, I'll come back in a couple months for the event. And she's like, okay, see you in a couple months for this event then. (laughs) So this was all just setting the stage for Inhumans versus X-Men. So this was a giant blue balls of a story. Uh, That's funny. (laughs) Like this story crapped out super hard at the end. It's kind of hilarious how hard it craps its pants in the last couple minutes. Well, it's X-Men. Apparently Marvel doesn't give a shit about X-Men. They really, really don't. Which is unfortunate because this was probably the one X-Men story I was enjoying the most in the last little bit. Cool. Yeah. Well, not cool. Shitty. (laughs) Uh, The Mighty Thor number 11, they do some crazy shit with Mjolnir the Hammer. They invent some new powers for it. And they're like, okay, we're going to retell Mjolnir's origin next issue. Yeah, I, I actually saw some of the stuff from this issue and some of the crazy shit you've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Gold bullets, flying cities, minotaurs. It's great stuff, don't get me wrong. I'm loving what Jason Aaron's doing with this. <laughs> there's, a, there's a funny bit with uh, two S.H.I.E.L.D. agents who have been trying to prove that, uh, that Jane Foster is Thor. 
and they get proven wrong this issue like they hornswoggled them and the two agents are like man we're really bad at our jobs Maria Hill's gonna yell at us unless we can find something good Ooh, I have a theory I think that blind lawyer in Hell's Kitchen is actually Daredevil nah that's stupid <laughs> I love this idea that there's two S.H.I.E.L.D. agents out there who are always right about superheroes, but they always get tricked. Yeah, that, that'd, that, that'd be a really cool series. It would be, just like this comedy of errors. <laughs> uh, you could even call it comedy of errors. Uh, Punisher number 5 was cool. Uh, Aquaman was cool. I haven't read... Uh, oh, uh, The Extraordinary X-Men Annual was alright. Haven't read Ant-Man, haven't read Harley Quinn, haven't read Power Man and Iron Fist, and, uh, oh, Ra Raven was surprisingly interesting. You want to know what Raven was about? I was thinking about picking this up, but I'm like, like, is it just like a, a tie-in? Like, what, what what's its deal? Because I never heard it get, like, a rebirth book, or, like, is it in continuity, or what, what's in, the deal with it? It's an in-continuity book. It's a mini-series, is what uh -huh. it is. I'm sure it will eventually tie in with that new Titans book when it happens. But basically what it is is you open it up and uh, Wolfman is basically like, hey, you remember all this new 52 stuff that happened with Raven? Well, it's stupid and fuck it and we're starting from scratch. Oh, okay then. And we're doing it my way. Uh, Raven, who is spurned on by the death of Tim Drake. So they mentioned the death of Tim Drake in the opening. Oh, wow. Okay. And she says, oh, you know, after Tim Drake died, it got me thinking a lot about family and connections and all the stuff I never had. And, hey, everyone knows my mother, the crazy devil worshiper who got, you know, sexed up by Trigon, and that's why I'm here. Yeah, it turns out she had a sister we never talked about, so I'm going to go and try and live with my sister's family now. And they're like, you know, the most wholesome middle America Bible-thumping <laughs> family say their prayers. And Raven rolls in as this uber-awesome goth girl, and she's like, I have made a huge mistake. Uh, that actually sounds pretty cool. It is. I liked it. Again, if you've actually been following Teen Titans and actually cared about the version of Raven that was put forward in that book, you're not going to like this because it basically throws away all of it in favor of just telling a kind of wacky teenage story and I like it you know Raven goes to school and you think like ah oh, and here comes the point where all the kids are gonna you know make fun of her and be like oh you're weird and different we don't like you they go the other way completely with it they look at Raven and like wow you're awesome I guess that yeah because like modern times and <laughs> everything her, her sort of like emo thing is kind of in exactly and... that's it she becomes the coolest kid in minutes and I'm like yes that is how it would work today that's awesome. Shocking, too, to think that the man writing this is, like, almost in his 70s, the guy writing this book about hip teenagers and how he just gets it. Ah, uh, then Marv Wolfman's got his finger on the pulse of the, of the kids these all, days. All these years later, Wolfman still, has, still gets kids better than most adults do. <laughs> it's shocking. I imagine, what does he do for research? Is he just sitting there watching the MTV being like, hmm, yes, kids today. <laughs> Maybe he maybe he has kids of his own and he asks them. I would, you know, maybe, yeah, probably. He's like, what what do you whippersnappers love these days? <laughs> you know, if I ever if I ever meet Wolfman and God willing, I will one day before you know he passes away. I'd like to ask him that. I'm like, you know, you wrote teenagers so well. How how did you do that? Did you just think of yourself at their age? Did you like actually ask and do some research? That's a damn good question. 
did ask him on Twitter. I know he's on Twitter, and he's. I think he he has quite a bit of interaction with the fans and everything. Yeah, I might just do that. <laughs> Speaking of Twitter and fan interaction, I guess I can talk about this here and now. Then uh, Matt and I had been joking before about getting Axel Braun on because we like his costume so much to talk up stuff. Well, I went to his website, got his email, wrote him, and yes, yes, he wants to be on the show. Actually. That's so awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. He, he, here's the thing. I wrote him he couldn't do it because he's going away for the next two weeks, no doubt, working on movies and everything that he's got to do. I don't know if you've checked the man's IMDb page. He makes a lot of goddamn movies. <laughs> yeah, he's, in those two weeks, he's going to make like ten movies or something. <laughs> the man is a machine when it comes to this. And like he writes and he does like the graphic design for the DVD boxes I found out. Oh, nice. The man, the man is like a one-man porn empire unto himself. So he's going to be busy for the next two weeks. I'm going to New York Comic Con. I'm hoping I can grab him at some point in that time before I have to go away. And what I'm going to do is uh, Matt and I will do half a show. And instead of talking about what we read this week, I will sub the Axel Braun rev- uh, interview in there. That's awesome. Is what I'm going to do. So, yeah, don't be shocked if in the next little bit you get an interview piece with him. Apparently no other comic book show has ever thought to interview him. I went looking online and I'm like, well, has he done any other podcasts? Has he done any other comic book show? No. Yeah, no, I'm actually looking at that up in a minute. And it's actually really interesting considering that he's kind of in that whole pop culture thing. Uh-huh. I'm amazed no one thought to do this. And then I felt... Yeah, and, and I imagine he is a fan because he wouldn't... Or, like, yeah. You, you want to know how much a fan he is, Matt? Because I knew he was going to be on the show, I went back and watched, like, his last three or four movies to try and, you know, like, get some good questions to ask him. Here's the thing I didn't know about his movies. His Batman v Superman, Wonder Woman, Supergirl, and all these other XX parodies that he does, they all have shared continuity. Really? Yes, yes they do. Are you kidding me? I am not fucking around. Lex Luthor is president in his DC cinematic Holy porn shit, universe. Holy shit, are you fucking kidding me? Yes, and that carries over into each and every one. Yeah. So so he's got a better better more comic like influence co- continuity than the actual yes. movies have. Holy shit. Yes, yes he does. Lois Lane shows up in the Wonder Woman porn parody trying to like find people who know Diana so she can get some info. She introduces or she like she interviews the cheetah and they fuck of course because I mean hey it's still a porn movie. <laughs> but the fact where it's like yeah these two characters together bouncing off each other that's really smart. Uh I also really like the woman he has playing Supergirl in the movie. She actually looks a lot like the character from the page. It's shocking. <laughs> <laughs> His Luther's not bad either. Oh, uh, the Enchantress shows up in, uh, what is it, in the Supergirl movie, working for Lex Luthor, and then shows up again in the Suicide Squad movie. Same with Killer Frost. Wow. <laughs> it's it's smart, too, because it's like, yeah, he would have all these costumes sitting around, and he would have all these actors on retainer. So, yeah, he just has them keep coming back over and over again, playing the same parts, and actually building a universe. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the porn cinematic universe. Can you believe that? He actually, he's such a nerd, he actually sat down and wrote out an entire cohesive universe. <laughs> that That's impressive. <laughs> dude, dude, Brainiac shows up. In like the, oh my. in the Supergirl one, that's the first fight. And here's the thing: it's literally scene for scene the fight they have in like that uh, Jeff Johns uh, Supergirl uh, Superman series. Are you serious? It's, 
it's literally that. They talk about Argos. They talk about the bottle city of Candor and how Brainiac was the one who did that. And the Brainiac costume is really good, too. It's just the one from that Superman animated movie, which is just like the one from the comics. Oh, I'm going to look up the animated Brainiac now and... <laughs> That, that's just insane to think. Yeah. What and, the hell, man? And then, of course, they bone, because always, but it's funny the way they get there. It's like, ah, oh, Brainiac, you know, you're from the planet Kalu. Yeah, they mentioned the planet Brainiac is from in the porn movie. <laughs> no no live-action movie would dare even say that, but in the porn movie, it's like, ah, oh, yes, Brainiac, the evil alien uh, sentient AI from planet Kalu. He used to be a human. Or something close to it, but now he's a terrible machine creature who captures oh things God. for himself. And then sex happens because, of course, it does. <laughs> but it's just so funny to be like, hey, nerd stuff, nerd stuff, nerd stuff, sex, nerd stuff, nerd stuff, sex. That's amazing. It is amazing. I have so many questions to ask this man when he comes here. <laughs> Be like, so you're just doing this for yourself, huh? You know, it's like, yeah, people don't pay attention to the story anyway in these movies, so I'll just write whatever the hell I want. <laughs> just write whatever uh, I want. It'll be great. Well, suppose he, I suppose, like, he thinks, like, oh, well, the people that actually like this Superman stuff are going to watch these movies, so I better put, and I know, like, how the fans can get, so I better put a little bit of, you know, actual stuff from the co comics in it. And maybe, maybe he did that, like, as a thing first and just to see how it works and then you thought nah this is actually pretty cool yeah the newest one he's working on right now is actually empire strikes back triple x oh wow i'm surprised that hasn't been made yet i know right matt's like well i gotta check that out now and check it for accuracy <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna come back next week and be like yeah there was all these great references and shout outs and stuff that was in deleted scenes <laughs> <laughs> that he put back in it was great <laughs> Uh, so uh, on that note, do you have any more comics to talk about, or can we uh, close this one out? I think we can close this one out. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to do any much better than that, are we? <laughs> uh, I guess on that note, everybody, thank you so much for watching and listening. As always, it's a pleasure. Uh, be sure to like, subscribe, favorite, do all that other social media jazz. Check out Matt over on Fortress of Solitude. Uh, check out the Kate Joel uh, Facebook page. I think Matt has one, too. I'm pretty sure. Just check us out on all the social medias, if you would. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's that's pretty much all I got to say. Matt, you got anything to say to close out? You pretty much said everything I was going to say. Yeah, follow us there. Uh, thank you for listening. As always, if you are a patron, you will be getting this show first before anyone else. I will be putting it up as soon as I'm done rendering it. That's on Sunday. For everyone else, you'll be listening to this one on Wednesday. And, uh, yeah. Then that, that'll be the day that it is, which is that day. If you can't tell, I'm getting a little frickin' delirious here as I sit and talk <laughs> and I'm running out of words. And God, I need to end this show before it gets away from me. <laughs> Thanks for watching, everyone. Bye-bye. We'll see you next week. See ya.